This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Cindy here with us today. How are you, Cindy? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Today, we're chatting about how to have difficult conversations, especially between managers and employees. I think this is a very, very interesting topic right now, given the, the times we're living in. And I know a lot of organizations are having to have really difficult conversations. And so before we get to all of that stuff, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'm Cindy Gordon. I'm currently Chief People Officer at an InsurTech startup called Policy Genius. It's focused on helping people get financial protection for themselves and their families. I've been there for a little over four years, and I started as the 20th employee, and now we're 360. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is um, a big change. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's have you, have you enjoyed it so far? Oh, it's been, it's been great. And I, it's the earliest that I've ever joined a company and seeing how you can have a lot of impact in shaping the company's right. DNA is, is so, so incredibly beneficial. So right. it's been a, a lovely ride and we've expanded into two states. We're building an office in Durham, North Carolina, and we are hiring. So awesome. lots of people we need to bring on. That's great. Were you a people hire when you joined the company or were you more of a general role? I was a people hire. I think it's rare to bring on a head of people so early in a company's growth, but the co-founders, Jen and Francois, just really value talent and talent development and wanted to make sure they were building the, the framework early on. Awesome. That's great. So let's get into it. What are some of the typical tough conversations in the workplace that managers and employers have with their employees? I'm going to start out answering this question indirectly. I think conversations, period, regardless of environment, can be tough when you're dealing with human beings. We're each wired differently and each have our own specific needs and our own internal scripts. Whenever those aspects are misaligned in any relationship, even if it's with your employer, it can be triggering and the prime breeding ground for conflict. When I think of the toughest of tough conversations, it's when you're dealing with more behavioral elements versus something tactical that can be easily course corrected. And the behavioral side of human beings is like a black box. (laughs) And there's so much ambiguity there and it can skew toward negative biases or worst case scenario narratives because we're trying to protect ourselves. We've heard of these concepts like flight or freeze or the amygdala hijack. And that's where these come into play. We are trying to protect ourselves because we don't know what is going to happen. So when you think about as it applies to the workplace context, we can see these issues surface when it comes to collaboration and highly collaborative environments with a lot of team-based or when it comes to straight up performance. It's important to create an environment that is psychologically safe for colleagues to feel comfortable, to share thoughts and providing enough tools and frameworks in a common language for effective communication and feedback. Because if that is a part of the everyday, then when you do have to have a tough conversation, it's a little bit easier to slide into that type of realm. At the end of the day, most of us want to do our jobs and we want to know how we're doing. And so that can be a very vulnerable place when we can't make those decisions for ourselves entirely. And so on the tactical side, we use a framework with managers and employees to add more clarity around expectation setting and having effective conversations. It involves three pillars. If you think about what we need to balance as a company or what a manager is balancing, it's the company's needs the individual's needs to their direct reports or their teams, and then role expectations and performance. Obviously, the overlap of those three 
pillars is the sweet spot, but that isn't fluid and it's not consistent and it requires a lot of ongoing communication and transparency. If it's used regularly, it can lead to very meaningful and honest conversations, right. especially the tough ones. If you practically apply this, if I was your manager, Harrison, and you came to me and said, Cindy, I want to be a pastry chef at PaveStep, I'd say, okay, well, let's first talk about how you're doing in your role. I have an understanding of what one of your goals is. And then let's talk about the company's needs as well to see if there's alignment. And then we're having a really honest conversation about what I am balancing as your manager versus what would normally happen in a scenario where I'm like, what? <laughs> no, that can't happen. You can't be a pastry chef at Pave Stuff. And that shuts things down. Well, maybe you, you can. Trust. <laughs> maybe you can. Actually, maybe you can. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it can lead to a big, wide open door and I think having frameworks in place and thinking about the tough conversations, that's the battle between managers, employees, and how to navigate. Yeah. I really love the few things that you just talked about there around having a common language and a well-established framework for communication, I think is extremely important because when you're having a conversation, you know where the other person's coming from. Mm -hmm. So you don't take any kind of offense to it. That's unnecessary. Feedback and just having tough conversations is obviously something that we're really passionate about as well. And one of the things that we talk about all the time is having these tough conversations or feedback is like learning a new language. You really need to have time and practice and get on the same page and use the same language. Absolutely. Um, you talk about this flight response. It's human nature. <laughs> yes. Survival mode, protecting right. ourselves. That makes right. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that all really resonates well with me. So let's get a little bit more tactical here. What is the best way to approach having those tough conversations? Is there a simple formula that most managers can follow or you follow? Yes. I think the first step is having a check-in with yourself. So if you're the one that's approaching somebody to have the tough conversation, one is making sure that you're assuming positive intent. And then ensuring that you understand the purpose of why you're having a tough conversation. We can get in our heads a lot and there may be a tinge of resentment or frustration that may come to the surface and just mm -hmm. making sure that we calibrate and take that step back and remember why we would be having these conversations to begin with. Shifting away from protecting ourselves and towards the other person, we can think about why we're having the conversation even more so and then where they sit and where you need to start in having the conversation. And there's right. this other concept called the unconscious incompetence scale. People can sit anywhere from being unconsciously incompetent, which oftentimes can be totally self-lacking awareness, all the way through mm -hmm. to unconscious competence where you're just naturally there and you've got the skills and you're fine. Some of it's just understanding and calibrating where somebody sits on the scale and how you need to set yourself up to have the conversation, the conversation with yourself and asking a question like, am I doing all I can to help set this person up for success? The second step is coming to terms with the fact that it's going to be a tough conversation. It's not going to be comfortable. It's a conflict. Right. It's a potential tough conversation. You actually might not know how the person's going to react. If we were solving for comfort with conflict, then we'd likely never have that conversation ever. If we're solving for comfort with discomfort, then it can help to name the situation a bit, accept it, put it to the side, not mm -hmm. solve for principle, but we're actually solving for reality. The next step is then framing the actual conversation that you're going to have. I like to use this analogy where you're bringing the horses to the water with you 
versus dumping the water on the horse. If you visualize that, yeah, bring them along with you. Don't just pummel right. them. And so I don't know if you've heard of the experience cube, but it breaks down how to have a tough or a feedback conversation period in four steps. The first step is the observation step, which is critical. Start with the facts, then move on to your thoughts. What are your beliefs or assumptions or expectations from the facts that you observed? Then moving to how you feel. Is it basic, sad, bad, glad, scared? That's yep. when you share the feelings. Then moving to what outcome you seek through your wants. A lot of people will lead with what they want, which is dumping right. the water on the horse. <laughs> and if you think about feedback, you're likely sharing something with them that they're not aware of. Or maybe they're not in a place to receive. And so starting with taking them along your own journey and getting to the point where you're having a conversation is huge. We use those frameworks. And then through feedback training at Policy Genius, we try to start out with the, the stickier stuff, which is positive intent, right. remembering why you're even having the conversation and coming to terms with comfort with discomfort. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's not supposed to be easy. You're supposed to prepare. You're supposed to think through it and be thoughtful. One of the things that we talk about internally is verbs. And what I mean by that is when you talk about your first component around making sure you're stating the facts or specific behaviors that you see, what we want to emphasize is Use verbs to describe the situation and the person's behaviors, mm -hmm. not the perceived trait or intention that you think yes. this person is doing. It's so important. And then you're not passing judgment because right. if you stick with the verbs, then it's more of the objective statements than the perception of judgment. And that's automatically going to put somebody on the defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. For these types of conversation, should employers give employees some kind of context or time to prepare? What does that look like? At a higher level, another saying that I have, the only surprises in the workplace that are good are food and swag. <laughs> and any other surprise is not a good one, especially <laughs> if it comes to communications between an employer and the employee or a manager and an employee. Ideally, if it's going to be a surprise to the employee, then there haven't been enough conversations leading up to that point. And that takes us back to the horse to the water analogy. From a more tactical perspective, though, a bit of a heads up is good anyway, but there's some nuance to this because if you give somebody too much of a lead time before you actually have the conversation, they're going to panic right. and then conjure up a whole bunch of narratives around what the conversation is going to entail that can do more harm than good. A little bit right. of a heads up with a little bit of a nugget is good, but you got to be timely because if you let that persist for too long before you actually have the conversation, you will entirely erode trust. Absolutely. What about the other side? So you've got your employees actually wanting to have some tough conversations with their managers. For example, working with a weak coworker or asking for a raise, which is a never easy conversation. You know, how should they think about that? And how should they approach it? This can be such a scary place. And it still makes me nervous to this day to have conversations like that. And that's human. I think one is going into the conversation, calling the elephant out in the room. One, I got a piece of advice from a mentor way back when, and just calling out that you might be nervous. So like <laughs> if I was sitting down with my manager, I might say, hi, by the way, I'm a bit nervous coming into this conversation. Just bear with me because I might not articulate this perfectly. Just calling that out will defuse the nervousness that exists for the person who has to give the upward 
feedback or ask for the raise or the promotion. And then the focus can be on the actual conversation. So that's one thing that can really reduce the expectation that you have to be perfect going into the conversation. Then following the experience cube, if it is upward feedback and it has to be a constructive feedback conversation, that is huge in bringing the manager along. Managers don't like surprises either. No human beings do. So that can help. And then another pro tip is writing thoughts out in advance. Write them down. Maybe it's a brain dump first. Then you sleep on it. Then you wake up the next day and look at it again. Maybe you do a dry run with a trusted people team member. If there's a a people team member that can help you or talking to a mentor, because that's huge and feeling really well prepared to come into the conversation. And then if it's a constructive feedback conversation, trying to avoid any judgmental language and just going in with objective statements, it can, it can go a long way. One thing that I really think is valuable is writing it down. I think actually preparing it. Sometimes when I do feedback, that's really potentially sensitive or constructive in terms of negative feedback. I actually write it down and I tell them, Hey, I'm going to actually read off this thing because I don't want to miss anything. And I've worded this very carefully. I start there and I just do that. It's not for everyone, of course, but I do think that goes a long way. And it shows how much thought you put into it. Absolutely. When the other person sees that you've clearly prepared for this conversation, they're much more willing to be open and listen. You get out what you put in. Absolutely. All of these frameworks are very applicable for everyday tough conversations within the workplace and even personal lives. Are there things that you do to handle these difficult emotions though? Because even though you have these frameworks, right, we're going to be frustrated. We're going to be heated up and that's going to probably happen more than half the time. When I think about how we coach our managers and leaders, there's a lot of practice and preparation involved in helping people feel equipped to provide feedback. But there's the flip side and making sure that people are equipped and getting enough practice in and receiving feedback too. It's such a two-way street when it comes to relationships and receiving feedback can be equally as hard. And so one thing is active listening. It can go such a long way in reducing the heaviness of a situation. It might mean that there are multiple conversations instead of just one that you have to have with an employee. But maybe that's okay because you're building trust and you can have more effective conversations and honest ones as a result. Otherwise, if you're rushing toward the end result, it could be very one-sided, agenda-laden, and have a dead end to it. And it's going to be a worse outcome. I've found, sure you have seen this too, most feedback scenarios and tough ones, regardless of who initiates that conversation, it usually winds up involving two-way feedback because it's an effort and um, better understanding how two people can work better together and understanding each other's perspectives. You're trying to understand more about each other. There's this added nuance when it is a performance conversation, right? That cannot be avoided, but you can still move the needle significantly if you've had more of a trust-based foundation and doing so by hearing somebody out and empathizing and understanding, having the overlay of what performance expectations are. Absolutely. Given the world we're living in right now, May 2020, everyone's kind of working remote. Everyone's on video sharing platforms. Do you have any tactical tips on how you can have these tougher conversations more effectively? Because I feel like that's a little bit tricky. It can be tricky, although I think there are pros and cons. It can be really nerve wracking to be in a room with the same person when you're having a tough conversation. There's a lot of energy there. There's beauty in having a device serving as a protective barrier 
in a conversation that's going to be tough. So I think that's one thing. I also think this world of remote work is a great forcing mechanism for us to communicate better. We can still see each other through video and to the extent people are aware of how they're responding through video, then that, that can, can help. So it's almost a forcing mechanism to have better and more effective and more frequent communications because you can't do a drive-by. You can't just sit beside somebody and expect something to seep through by osmosis. It's more deliberate when you're right. scheduling meetings and having conversations. And so I think some of those can be pros where we can seize the opportunity to practice better communication. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. It's like writing a letter to somebody. You are usually much more thoughtful and structured and making sure that the communication comes off clearly because you know how sometimes people can read between the lines. Yeah. Video is much better than a phone call. So to the extent that that's a capability that companies have, then leveraging that for tough communications is the best route to go. Absolutely. So I have two final questions for you. One is any interesting stories that you can share about having tough conversations, any fun or crazy ones? I'll keep it a little general, but given our um, McKinsey backgrounds, I will say that underperformance conversations are the most difficult for me. And, (laughs) you know, especially when you're talking to people who are working their butts off and you care about them, that can be really hard to just say, hey, I acknowledge these things, but you're not performing, you're not meeting expectations. So my time at McKinsey when I was in professional development was primarily centered around giving feedback to and having performance conversations with highly driven, overachieving, incredibly smart consultants who likely had never been told by someone that they weren't anything but successful, whatever they perceived success to be. That was a great experience for me in practicing the art of having tough conversations in those situations that we like talked about before on the unconscious incompetence scale. When somebody's not ready to accept or is totally unaware, I learned then to have multiple conversations. There were a few scenarios where I felt like I had crushed somebody's world, where they thought it was the end of the world. And in their heads, they're likely thinking, I'm not good enough or I'm a failure. This has never happened to me before. And my way of helping to be empathetic and relate to them is talking about my own failures whatever Mm -hmm. I perceive to be my failures and learnings from them, the growth opportunities that came out of it all. And I can safely say that there isn't a single person who comes to mind. And I was at McKinsey for a really long time, having these conversations with hundreds of consultants, Uh, not all all bad conversations, but having performance conversations (laughs) with hundreds of consultants, by the way. The ones that were tougher, where I might've had to ask somebody to leave the company, I can't think of anybody who is not in a better place now or more self-aware or came out of it learning more about what they wanted to get out of a situation or what they what their true needs were and finding a better career that aligned with what value they could bring to the table. So that's what's most interesting. But that point in time where you're hearing something that is contrary to what you want to get out of a situation and coming to terms with that and the acceptance can be can be a journey. I'm thankful for those situations. I've learned a lot from those conversations with people, but it was tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And, and those are definitely not easy conversations. Um, and one thing that I really like that you actually brought up and 
one of our other guests brought up uh, recently was vulnerability. As mm-hmm. someone who's giving that kind of feedback or as a leader, being vulnerable and showing your weaknesses and where you've experienced quote unquote failures, I think is a big, big component of aligning and connecting with that person, making sure that it's okay. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you think about the blend of working virtually now where we don't have a clean bright line between our personal lives and work right now because we're all at home that can make it even more blurred for people but there are so many learnings that somebody can get from a less risky place like work that can be flipped on its head when you think about our biggest fears in our our lives as a whole so there there are ties there the workplace can be a place to test flipping the script a little bit yep absolutely makes sense last question a fun one your favorite speakeasy in New York City? Oh, there is a place in Tribeca, and I don't know if it still exists, called B-flat. Okay. It's it's this underground jazz speakeasy bar. It's unmarked. They have yummy, noshy food and really good jazz music. I'll have yes. to check it out once uh, we're able to get out of here. <laughs> yes, and if it shut down ages ago, then um, that dates me a little bit. all good awesome well thank you so much for your time cindy i really really appreciate it where can the audience find you and your thought leadership linkedin is probably the best place cindy n gordon or you can email me at cindy at policy genius awesome cindy thanks again for being here i really enjoyed our conversation thank you for having me Thank you all for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. 